to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 130. Mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Brett Nichols, head of strength and conditioning at Archbishop Mitty High School, to discuss the mindset of his 17-year career working with elite athletes. Brett shares what truly motivates him when working with athletes, which is to build long-lasting relationships and assist in developing well-rounded student-athletes during the most crucial time of development. On campus, Coach Nichols is more than a strength and conditioning coach. He is a mentor, motivator, and trusted advisor. What would more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? NeuroPeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely, anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit NeuroPeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR. You're interested in a full-body resistance training system to achieve your athletic and fitness goals? The Mass Suit from Juke Performance is your answer. The Mass Suit is a full body resistance training suit that you wear during your exercising or sports specific training to enhance your speed, strength, power, agility, and endurance. You are fully mobile and it's great for plyometric and high intensity training. It engages all muscle groups simultaneously and increases to a 50% caloric burn. Check out the Mass Suit at jukeperformance.com and other fitness-related products, and make sure to use the promo code GRANTPAR, one word, G-R-A-N-T-P-A-R-R, for your 10% discount. Hey, Brett, how are you? Good, how you doing? Good, doing good, man. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on my show, and uh, you know, just so my listeners know that you know, Brett and I have worked together the last couple of years, at Midi High School in San Jose, and and I've always been just um, I've always appreciated what you've done uh, or what you do for athletes when it comes from the strength pr- perspective, but just the way that you hold yourself, your knowledge, your mindset, and uh, I'm really excited to share that mindset with everybody on my show and just learn a little bit more about your journey and uh, and things that motivate you as a strength coach. For sure, man. And thanks for having me on the show. And whatever question I can answer, you know, best my knowledge, I'll try. You know, we do little things different We're on my end. But like I said, I'll try to give you the insight of what I think and what I know. Beautiful, man. Well, let's, let's talk about mental toughness. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about this topic a lot. I know that you've had to be mentally tough um, as an athlete, as a football player. Um, but when you think about the word mental toughness, what does it mean to you? Um, that's a funny question, actually. Um, well, I just had an interview with one of my old athletes who actually doing a paper at Irvine, and she asked me the same question um, regarding mental, you know, mental toughness and mental illness. Um, for me, I believe mental toughness is how you deal with pressures in a lot of different situations, from home life, team setting, personal setting, and social setting. But that's what I think it means to me. Got got it. Well, you know, when you reflect, I mean, because you played a lot of football in your life as well, and you were. Um, incredible football player at Cal Poly. Um, and just so my listeners know, like if they ever have a chance to, to see you, you are a very large muscular man. So just know this guy, <laughs> when he played football, he wreaked havoc. So 
Uh, so when you think about like reflecting on your football career, uh, I know that there's, there's a ton of different times where you had to be mentally tough, but can you like share a specific time where you had to be mentally tough? You know, in my, in the, the career that I've had of football, it's kind of one of those things where, like I said, the amount of pressures coming from different aspects of every, every turn that you take, you know, from, like I said, the home team, personal, social, whatever it is, um, it can develop mental toughness all the way around. Like, you know, we'd had 6 a.m. workouts. We had had 6 a.m. practices. You know, our coaches came from University of Arizona, so where they practice in the morning because of the heat. So they transitioned that over to Cal Poly. So we had, if you know, if you needed treatment in the training room, you had to be there at 5 a.m. You know, practice started at 6 a.m. on the dot. You know, workout 6 a.m. year-round, you know, from the aspect of playing with injuries, the pressures of home life, social, school going on. There's not one necessarily mental tough, specific mental tough time that I had. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a wide variety of, like I said, that waterfall of overloading pressures on you year round in and year out of trying to do the best you can. Cause when I, you know, from my standpoint, I was the first one to get a degree out of college from Cal Poly. So that home life aspect for me, not disappointing my parents in that long run that I was going through. I think that was the more of the mentally tough time that I dealt with is trying to be that first one, mm. you know, achieving that goal. But at the same time, you know, from being the athlete that I am trying to start every game or, or be the best that I could, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I can't name a specific time, but there were so many things that, that overloaded that situation or overloaded my career there. So, like I said, I can give you 50 different scenarios of different, 50 different mentally tough situations from playing with injuries to, you know, dealing with school, whatever it was, being away from home. So it's kind of like that's how I dealt with certain things is just trying to, just trying to do my best during that situation. For sure. Well, and you know, since you've been a strength coach for for how long you've been you've been in that role for the last? I've I've been a strength and conditioning coach since two thousand two thousand three two thousand four. So what, sixteen years maybe? Yeah, fifteen sixteen years. Awesome. So when you think about like those sixteen years now, I, and this might be another hard question to answer, but. I know that you've worked with all levels. I mean, professional all the way down to youth. But is there a is there a particular athlete that you've worked with, or maybe there's a group of athletes, a list of them that you can share that were mentally tough, and and maybe some attributes that that stood out with these athletes that you've worked with. You know, ranging from where I've been with the Niners all the way down to where I'm at now at, at Midi. There is so many athletes that I can see that are mentally tough in their own ways. You know, you range from physical and mental standpoint in the pros from Patrick Willis to Justin Smith to Alex Smith to all the way down to the, you know, the athletes that I have made at MIDI from, you know, Gabby Madelich, Kyle Evans, you know, the, the Drew Mount type deals. They all have their different ways of being mentally tough um, from training aspects to, you know, dealing with injuries we've had an athlete you know kyle Evans, who broke his hands he was playing with broken hands for two or three games out of the year first two or three games in, in his senior season had surgery came back and played 
at the end of the year, you know, walked on at University of Colorado, earned a scholarship. We've had Drew Mount, who went to San Jose State, broke his back, went on to play, gave up football, went to play baseball, and now he's with the Reds organization. So it's kind of one of those deals where these kids are mentally tough from the amount of pressures that they've had from certain situations too. But I'm just talk, probably talking on a physical and mental standpoint from training mm-hmm. and their career playing. So I could see those kids being mentally tough more than any, but you know, each one of these kids has their own problems and own pressures that they're going through too, that a lot of them don't up, open up to me in that regards. A lot of these kids did. So I get a chance to see their home life and what they went through athletically to where they are now, even being close with them now to see the progressions that they had in their lives of where they're at now. And I, you know, you and I have talked about, you know, building trust and rapport, which we're going to talk about that later in the show. But I think that's one of the the beauties of, of being in our roles is that when, when these athletes get to, to be vulnerable with us and they allow us to, to really connect with them and share a little bit more of them outside of sport um, not only allows us to, to connect with them, but it just it, it allows us to help, help them more effectively. And, and then also allows us to see this trajectory of, you know, where they started and where they are now, like, you know, whether if they're in the collegiate level or professional level. But, you know, you've been a, a part of a lot of athletes, that whole process and that whole journey. Yeah, no, I think it's over a thousand athletes now, maybe. Wow. You know, from 16 years of doing this, you know, you get that wide spectrum of them. Like I said, it's it's interesting. It's interesting being at the different levels that I've been in um, from the professional level all the way down to junior college, because every single level has their different, you know, players that go through the system and what the pressures they're dealing with. You know, it, it, it's crazy to me to see, you know, these wide variety of personalities and emotions that you, that you get to handle, even, you know, being in your job, you get to see as much as I do, you know, how much they're dealing with and how much mental toughness they actually endure and develop being through these different pressure situations. You know, you, you, we talk about the athletes that are mentally tough that I've seen, you know, the group of athletes that I've seen and it, there's don't get me wrong. This doesn't take away from any other sport that I've been around, but you know, seeing the mentally tough athletes as a whole, I think women's basketball maybe might be one of the best all the way around, because if you haven't got a chance to see Sue Phillips coach or be around her, she might be the best coach I've ever been around in all the levels that I've been, you know, she demands and expects so much from her athletes and helps them develop and grow into that, you know, as a whole from, I'm not just talking about it from a basketball standpoint, from them growing into women and helping them with every single aspect of their lives. It is awesome to see women's basketball players because once they leave, I'm telling you right now, they know more about life, basketball, whatever it is, and how to deal with pressure when they get to their actual next stage in their basketball career than any other athlete probably at that school that comes in. So you ever get a chance to check her out she's she's awesome and i know you've dealt with her oh yeah and you continue to deal with her she's like i said she might be one of the best around she is uh the thing that makes her so incredible um just she she's like when you think of like the range of a coach i mean she's got the full range and like you and i working with her and supporting her in her program it is a honor 
like to have a front row seat to see her coach um, because it's 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 incredible. And I think what's cool about her, and just to piggyback on what you're saying, is that she holds a standard, and she doesn't waver from that standard. And what and that standard is more than just trying to make these basketball players just basketball players. She coaches the heart of the athlete, and that to me it's like it's it's a mo- it's the most beautiful thing because it's one thing to teach technique and to hold people accountable, but when you really get to know your players and you get to love them and you know, inject joy in them and also and be intense at the same time um, and have them bought into it, man, it's a, it's a cool sight, man. It's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible experience. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, getting a chance to be around these athletes more than any other coach in the world, you know, it, it, it's awesome to see these, these kids develop through their mm-hmm. careers, you know. And especially when they come back and, you know, you're part of their lives still after, you know, some of these kids 10 years since they've graduated and them coming back and telling you how much they meant, how much you meant to them. It, yeah. it, it's an awesome feeling. hundred percent. Now, when we think about, we'll kind of go back to your, your motivation, you know, as a strength coach, you know, what was the, the motivation? What, what made you commit to having this type of profession? You know, growing up, I was huge, you know, growing up in King City with only 8,000 people, you know, there was not much to do down there. You know, you're either getting into trouble or you're focusing on your particular interest, right? So my particular interest at the time, and I don't know if it, where I got this from is, you know, I've, I was a huge bodybuilding, bodybuilding guy back then. I, I watched, you know, Mr. Olympia back then, and I was huge into strongman, you know, because when there's nothing to do is either get into trouble or stay at home. Like I was, I was watching, you know, ESPN two at two in the morning, watching these strongman competitions, you know what I mean? It, or these body bodybuilding shows. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And then I started to get into it with, you know, a few of my mentors growing up, you know, I got a chance to live with the coaches instead of the players at four in the morning. And it was kind of crazy aspect of, be around because not many people were into lifting like I was. So the coaches brought me in and helped me develop under them because they were all prison guards in uh, solid prison at the time. So, you know, they all had to go to work at five, six in the morning. So I got a chance to work out with them and I've learned so much from them growing up. And, you know, you, you, we all have our people that got us into the world, the sports or whatever they do. And, you know, John Hokum at the time, who who's passed away since, got me into football, got me into track, and got me into lifting, and, and turned my life around completely. It's you know, it, I I I couldn't owe anybody else more than than him in my life for getting me a chance to actually see what the world's all about. You know, so it's like, you know, at that age, every every everything's a sponge to you, and you're growing. But, you know, from that standpoint, I just like lifting and I went from there. So, it, it, you know, it's funny because I had a, one of the athletes, when, you know, at, when I was a 49er said, and he, we and him connect pretty good. He was one of the practice players and he actually got a chance to play. But it's one of those things that he said, I'm not a football player. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bodybuilder. I just do football for as a hobby. And I thought to myself, I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting, right? But it was kind of the same thing for me. I believed in fitness first and then the sport came second, which I'm not saying is necessarily right, right. but that's the way I thought. And, you know, it's, it's held to me with this day. So I, I've always put the passion of, you know, fitness first 
and then all the other sports come the, the sports performance size comes second but like you know that that's what i grew up thinking the whole time well and when you when you think about your mindset like as of now as a strength coach because um, i know those experiences and even your mentors you know i'm, I'm only guessing they've created this mindset that that you have today as a strength coach so when you think about it um, when you come to work every day and when you look at your motivation and what inspires you as a, as a strength coach how would you describe your mindset and then is it different or similar to when you played football I think it's I think it's uh, I think it'd be very it could be very similar but very different Mm. Um, you know, when I come to my mindset as a strength coach, obviously is I've developed my personality, my emotion, the way I think my thought process from being an athlete, being a college athlete, being an athlete in general, it's developed me to who I am today from all those morning workouts to being a morning person, to be very structured, all that type of stuff to competing. But I think the huge difference is, is I'm not just their coach in this, in this world now. You know, I'm a friend, I'm a psychologist, I'm a parent. I play so many roles in these athletes' lives now. But when I played football, it was more of a selfish deal and it was more about me. It ain't about me anymore. It's about, you know, those 800 athletes that I deal with now. So I think there's, it's very similar. It's, you know, football has got me to what my mindset is now. But, again, I've learned over time that it's not about me anymore. I, I don't think... You know, you have all the strength coaches in the world who are, you know, try to be the, the loud guys. But I think that takes away from the team aspect as they put themselves in front of the team. I think it's all about the team first. I think a strength coach in that regards is more of a guy in the background dealing with the dirty, dirty work. You know what I mean? I, I think we're like the long snappers. You know, you don't hear about the guy's name until they actually mess up. Right. You know what I mean? They, they're the last to get acknowledged. They're the first one to get, you know, in trouble, right? So it's kind of like you look at the world of coaching. The first guy to ever get hired in the offseason in the offseason world when a new coach comes is a strength coach. But yeah. he's also the first one to get fired from the staff. So, you know, it, it's that's how I think it's very similar and very different in that regards. But you know what's interesting too, and I, and I'll I'll toot your horn just because I I've worked with you for the last couple of years is, um, I I know that in some programs and some organizations you know the strength coach can be kind of the background, um, but be, because of your strength and your specialty and connecting with these not only with the athletes but with the coaches as well, is that I know I know this for a fact that. You know, when athletes leave a program, you know, they think of that that mentor, that coach that really affected their lives. But I, I know this and I've seen it. And it's really cool to witness that you're a part of that process. You're when it comes to what you're doing and what you have done at MIDI, you are not the dude in the background. Like you are just as much in front with the coaches. Um, and it's a really that's why one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show is because I think there's an opportunity for your role to uh, expand and and have other programs kind of understand how you do it and, and what you do because you're doing more than just building strength there like you're building trust and relationships and you're, you're building uh, processes and routines and it's just it's a really cool thing to see so it's um i think you know to toot your horn i think what you're doing right now is you're kind of changing that paradigm of what a strength coach 
looks like and, and how effective they can be. Yeah, I think it's kind of one of those things, you know, for a, a position as a strength coach, it, it's really hard um, when you first come into the job because, you know, they see your stature and they're like, oh my God, like, I don't want to get big <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Or he's very intimidating. He doesn't want to, like, I don't want to talk to him. You know, being on all these Zoom calls from a social distancing, it's like, you can see the difference between all the levels. You know, you got, we've got those different athletes and I don't know if I'm allowed to say their names, but it's kind of one of those deals where they open up to you and they joke around and they've, cause they've been around you for so long, you know, but all these like new people, they, they're still trying to figure you out. So, you know, like from my standpoint, when I'm training them, I was like, I, I always tell them this line, I want to see your personalities. I said, this job gets very boring to me if I'm the only one talking. And again, that that's a good and bad situation because it opens the world up from negative standpoints and positive because you'll get the, you'll get the problem children who, you know, don't stop talking or it opens up the floodgates, but then it gives a chance for the kid that doesn't talk at all, a chance to open up. Mm. You know, it's one of those deals. Like I want to see the personalities. I want them to talk. I want to show their emotion, who they really are. Because like I said, it's not, it's not a fun job for me. If I'm the only one talking, I want to like, I want to see their personalities. I want to see them be them, you know? So it's kind of one of those, like, you know, from, from the, like I said, back to the beginning, when you first come in, I care about these kids first, you know, the, the job of the strength and conditioning job comes second, but I've got to the point in my career where I actually care about the kid individually and everything they do on top of it, where if they bind or if they don't buy in, um, you know, it only enhances my job even more. But again, I want the kids to be them and I, I want them to know that I care about them. You know, it's, I've been in the world of personal training and strength and conditioning, and I've seen too many worlds of the personal training aspect where these guys are trying to sell their gimmick rather than make it more about the kids. They don't care about the kids. They just care about the money. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, you know, I've always heard the saying, and, you know, I, I think my mentor told me this once, Mark Uyami said, the kids don't care about how much you know until they know about how much you care. Totally. You know, so it's kind of one of those deals where, like I said, it's a trust factor. We've got to, we've got to build that trust with the kids more and more from that standpoint. Totally. Especially, you know, especially at the world I live in now to at, at the high school level, because high school world is a brutal place. <laughs> Colleges, you know, in college, you start adapting, you start hanging out with people that you like, Right. In high school, you're stuck in a world where you're being judged 24/7. Even from my standpoint, if I say something, if I say something stupid, trust me, I hear about it four years later from the kids saying, as a senior, they'll be like, "Remember when you said this as a freshman? When I was a freshman." I'm like, I don't remember that, but they obviously <laughs> do. So everything, right? Everything totally. is, you know, everything is being judged and being monitored of what you say and what you do day in and day out. And that's just not my world. That's about these kids, like. The amount of pressures, if you think about it, the amount of pressures that they're going through right now, they have no idea how to handle it. So it's kind of one of those things. That's what, that's why I think going back to that mental toughness thing, it's for me, it's learning how they deal and how they actually deal with all these different pressures as they, as they grow up and grow old. Big time, big time, you know, and they're also, they're, they're in a, because they're, they're, they're learning, they're. They're learning about their minds, their emotions, their thoughts, their bodies. So they're in process mode. Like so, uh, trust me. I've not only 
I can sit there and remember some things that were said to me when I was 16 years old, still to this day. And it, it's because they're, they're trying to learn. And, but that as mentors, and as coaches, we're in a role that we have, we have to be selective on what we say and how we say it because it can affect them um, and they can remember it for a long time. And, in, and that's huge awareness that you have on your part. And when you think about your job as a strength coach, uh, what do you think about the most, like, what is the most rewarding? I know you've talked a little bit about it, but what do you think is the most rewarding part about your job? And what's the most challenging part of your job? I feel like the most rewarding part of my job is to see these kids develop over time. You know, I'm, I'm in the, the great position where I get to be around these kids for four years. So I see them coming as freshmen, go through our process of the whole sports performance world from year in, year out, when they leave to see out where they are. You know, a kid growing their wings in a sense, that, that is the most satisfying and rewarding to me is to see where they end up. You know, because a lot of kids in, in our world at, at MIDI, they, they come to MIDI to go on and to help them play on at the next level. So when you, when you go on and you get a chance to see them you know, you get invited to their college games or their pro games, or they give you their college jersey pro game. That's all fine and dandy, but to see them experience those emotions and bring you in that and show it to you and share it with you, you know, I think that's the most rewarding factor to me that you are actually helping them get to where they want to be. Um, I think the most challenging part of my job is we all have a problem, I think, trying to help the kids that don't want to be helped rather than kind of disregarding the kids that already bought in. So, you know, if, if that makes any sense, like I'm more concerned, like I fall, uh, I've had this conversation with our baseball coach, you know, we, we start tending to focus on the kids and trying to make the kids that buy in that haven't bought in mm. that will probably never buy in, you know, but like the kids that are buying in that are your good kids, you pay less and less attention to, or you're, you, I don't know the exact words I'm looking for, but you, you know, you kind of disregard them in a sense and you start putting your, all your mindset on the kids that don't care. And the ones that do care get minimal attention. I think that I've learned that over the past couple of years and I'm trying to change that altogether because I want to care about, I want to more focus on the kids that care. If the one, the ones are either going to buy in or they won't. Right. And I want to set a standards where those kids, want to buy in and want to be part of that process. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but. No, it does. Because I think, because if, if you're taking away, if you're trying to spend your energy on someone that's not going to ultimately buy in, that energy is, is not being used to the people that really want it and that will take it. And so it, it's, it, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but it's, it's a, it's a balancing act and it's, it's a finesse where, you definitely need to, you know, spend your energy where it's going to be reciprocated and and um, and, and and respected and trusted. But it's those ones that are are not bought in. For me, at least, it's like I let them know, hey, I'm here for you. I'm going to stay in my lane. This door, I'm going to open up for you to buy in. But I'm not going to make you walk through it. But I'm not going to keep on opening it up for you. But it's going to stay open until you're ready. And when you're ready to walk through that door, man, I am here, open arms, and I'm ready to rock. If not, I got to spend my energy on the people that want this stuff. Yeah, for sure. And it's just like we talked about before in the other, you know, the other conversation we had. It's kind of one of those deals where it's hard. It's a hard, it's a hard 
you know, it's hard to face that realization where if you have a D1 athlete that has so much talent and you know they're going on but hasn't bought it and don't care what you have to say, it's hard to let that kid go in a sense. Not right. go necessarily, but yeah. just tell them, you know, like, I'll be here for you when you're ready. You know, but you have a kid that's going to be, you know, a D2 kid that's bought into completely what you're saying. I would rather spend more time on them and focus on them than the kid that, you know, thinks he knows it all or, <laughs> you know, that regards. It, it, it's like, you know, that's one thing I'm still trying to work on as myself because, like I said, every kid matters in my world. Totally. You know. Totally. So. It's, it's a, it, is, it is one of those things. It's a work in progress when you, again, I, I think it's finesse. I think when you actually are focusing on that, though, like where are you going to spend your time and who's going to actually, um, you know, uh, invest into your time, there's an emotional intelligence to that piece, too, which, you know, we're all learning our, our EQ. We're developing that every day. Um, but we have to, you know, as coaches and, and as practitioners and educators, you know, we still have to protect our time and our energy as well. But we're here for them. And, you know, and I know, I know you, like if, if there's an opportunity to affect someone's life and affect them, you're all for it. But, but again, it's just like, you know, when it comes to strength, uh, condi- strength and conditioning, when it comes to, uh, even yoga, cause I know we do a lot of yoga at MIDI, uh, mental performance, like this stuff is all good, but you, you can't make everybody do it. Um, and they might not be ready for it right at that moment in their lives, maybe later when they're in college. But, but I guess, you know, I think just a sum it up is just I think it's our intention like if our intention is good and it's ready when they're ready then I think that's all what we can do for sure and you wouldn't you you wouldn't realize how many athletes have come back to me over the years and apologized to me (laughs) for no it's crazy they apologized for me because at the time so many people were in their ear and they don't think you know what you're talking about but when they go off to college and they come back, I've, I had kids come back and say, Hey, you coach, I just want to apologize to you for, you know, not busting my ass in regards because we are doing the same exact thing you were doing in high school and you were doing it better. Like you cared about me more than my strength coach does now. So, you know, yeah. it, it's an awesome feeling when they come back and tell you that, right. Mm-hmm. Some of the kids still don't cause they got too much pride, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's a cool, it's a cool little world uh, in my end, and maybe that's my own, you know, thing that I strive on when I, you know, because we're all, we're all, you know, that type of coach, anyways. Deep down inside, you love hearing things good about your program, you know. Totally, man. I and I remember this happened not too long ago with a uh, female soccer player for Mitty last year who is now playing now um, in college, and it's, and it's the same thing. What you're, you know, I want to echo what you're going to say. But she, when we were talking about how to get into zone and how to get into flow, like she understood it, and but she never really experienced it fully. And so when she did, finally at the college level, she called me back and said, oh my gosh, the stuff you were talking about, I kind of get got it, but I didn't. But now I've experienced it. How do I get more of it? And oh, yeah. that's the hey, stuff that makes awesome. me just goes nuts. I'm like, oh man, my, my frequency is high when, when I... When I, when I experience that kind of stuff with athletes. And, you know, it's crazy, too. And just a side note on that, it, it's kind of crazy, too. And I know you've dealt with a lot of different schools. The kids at MIDI are like, you know, for me, they're beyond, they beyond are like exceptional kids. 
you know, they, they care, you know, they care about one another. They go on and care about you. Like it, it's an awesome, it's an awesome group to be around. Totally. Big, big time, man. Well, and, and I think what's, what's cool is that, you know, going through the times that we are right now with COVID, we, we've had to be very creative, everybody, um, especially to connect with our athletes and make sure that since now that there is no, you know, there's no athletics at this point uh, for the next month or two, it's really cool to see, especially the kids at Biddy, but, you know, school you know, athletes in general, how they're just putting forth the effort to still stay connected with each other, but also still stay connected with their craft and their training. And so with that being said, I can only imagine, you know, with you taking, you know, managing the whole strength department, if you will, at MIDI, you've had to get really creative to make sure that you're still staying connected with the athletes, making sure that they're still doing uh, their workouts. Like, what are some of the things that you've done to be creative during this time? Well, it's kind of one of those deals for me. It's it's a tricky situation for me because these kids are in front of their iPads right now at least five, six, seven hours a day. And for me to get them in front of their iPad and actually take them through a workout, you know, I'm torn between what to do. And, you know, it's very monotonous to um, the workouts become very monotonous, especially when you're not around your team, especially when you're not around equipment, You're, you're around doing body weight stuff the entire time. So we have to create on our end, but we have to know from their standpoint, it's not just about us, but they've been, they still have homework to do. You know, they still have to get on their zoom calls. They still have tests. So, you know, I was just talking to one of our teams this week and I said, you guys are mentally checked out, which I completely understand. So once you guys are off your iPads, get away from your iPads and go do something fun. I know you can't do something. There's not a lot to do right now. Even if it's just laying out, if you have fun, just laying out, go lay out, try to do something fun and try to keep yourself entertained. But going back to what we do, you know, it's, it's very tricky and we're trying to be very creative on how to do this. So, you know, going back to what we talked about, our alumni or our MIDI kids in general, we have right now our workouts, we have a bunch of alumni and I'm very grateful for this. All our alumni are coming back and are helping us with our workouts. So I take them through a strength portion and, you know, I come back, let's say a Lauren Mavis or a Macy McHale or Morgan Peterson come back for field hockey and they teach them, you know, stick related drills in between my strength stuff. It's a chance for these kids to connect back with the alumni, the alumni to uh, connect with them, but it gets a chance for them to hear a different voice other than mine. Because, you know, being on a call with, personality like mine sometimes you're like okay this guy's over the top or whatever it is right (laughs) Right. especially especially if you're like with one of those kids that personality still hasn't come out yet they're still in the background but it gives a chance for them to connect with somebody else hear a different voice change it up mentally um mentally just you know just like they're doing physically every single time because that mental you know that that mental aspect of training they need to be stimulated in that sense as well or they're just going to be like, okay, we're doing this again, right? So it's kind of one of those things. Thank God we've had, I think we've had 35 alumni come back so far from different teams. Wow. Come back and help with the training. Now, that's just those certain teams. We have other teams that are actually starting to pick up now, which it opens doors for the world, all these other alumni from their teams to come back. So, you know, the list of alumni that are still want to help out is overwhelming in that sense but trying to balance that out too. So that's another idea that we try to, 
get them in to help out with that, that aspect. You know, another aspect is social media. You know, you see this all around the world with all these college strength coaches, high school strength coaches, all that regards. They're trying to do creative stuff with social media because that's where the kids are at nowadays. And like I said, that was one of my things that I need to work on and I'm trying the best that I can at it. Right. Mm-hmm. But trying to incorporate social media with these kids, you know, give them different venues of that, that that's a different way to keep them, you know, their mind stimulated as well. Awesome. That's cool, man. Now, a couple of questions here before we sign off. And, and I have to ask this question just because I am a mental performance coach <laughs> and, and coaching the mental game is part of my fabric. But we, we all know how important the, the mental game is when playing sport. But how important do you think it is, you know, bringing, uh, you know, mental skills training or mental performance training within the weight room? Um, from my standpoint or the athletes? From your standpoint. From my standpoint, the mental skills portion, the mental side of it is just as important as the physical side. Um, I would feel that from my standpoint as a coach, you know, we talked about the other day, we talked about energy, you know, for me, on my standpoint, it's all about energy. I feed off energy. My personality, it's all about the energy that you bring, and either it hypes me up or brings me back down. But it's kind of one of those things. I feed off energy. I feed off emotion. So mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those days I told my, you know, one of our assistant strength coaches, it's one of those deals I said, you have to understand every single day you need to bring the energy. You can't let the kids bring the energy. Because how do you expect the kids to bring any energy if you're flat every single day? I want you to be enthusiastic, energy flowing. You know, you got to find it deep in yourself because this is your passion. This is what we do. You got to love what you do. You've got to make these kids buy in. And, you know, I, I think that huge mental aspect that we talked the other day is energy, right? Yeah. How to turn it off, how to turn it on. What's that switch? How do you find that switch? You know, we have as a strength coaches, we have to, you know, develop our mental skills and maybe you have to help us have a session with that down the road. How do we find that switch? How do we find that energy? Because how do you expect the kids to do it if you can't do it? Right. You know what I mean? So coming from the, the mental standpoint of our side regarding that is, you know, it's, it's night and day. You've had those teachers and you've had those coaches where you've had the personalities may not be shining. It may be a dull personality, or you've had those coaches where they're such high energy and they're not about themselves, but they're, you can feel their energy, how different those sessions or those classes are. Totally. You know, so it's kind of, so it's kind of one of those things for me. It's like, it's all about energy. And, you know, talking with you has helped me, helped me tremendously since the last time we talked is trying to find that energy and trying to, hone into the energy and find that switch and helping these kids find that energy and switch, you know, to start developing that because, you know, if going back to turning around to the athlete standpoint, if you don't have energy in a weight room, how do you expect to perform at the highest level? How do you, how is that going to translate over the field or court or, you know, whatever it is. And the next thing is if you don't have energy and you don't have that focus and you don't have that desire to be in there, the chances of your risk of getting hurt, go up dramatically. So, you know, we've got to find a way to actually help these kids find that switch, find that energy and bring it every day. You know, even though they've been sitting in class for five hours, they come to us, they've got to learn to flip that switch and turn it on. Cause that's what you got to do in a game anyways. 
man, you're preaching, you're preaching the gospel right there, man. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think it's just, when you perform anything, I don't care if you're performing in the weight room, on a field, in a pool, in a classroom, in a surgery room, there's, there's mental performance, man. You've, you've got to bring, you got to bring your breath, bring your energy. Uh, you got to visualize, you got to talk to yourself. I mean, there's so many things that, that I think that in the past, and maybe this is just my paradigm, that people feel like in the weight room, it's, it's just about lifting weights. That's it. And man, there's so many opportunities to drop into your breath and get really present with your feet or getting where your feet are and visualizing that squat, that perfect squat or that perfect, you know, hang, you know, that snatch, whatever it is. And then when you're struggling, when you have 385 pounds and you're trying to push that, you know, you're squatting and you're, you're fighting it, what are you doing mentally to talk yourself to get through that rep, right? So I think it's, um, it's awesome that you, you're all about the mental game and mental skills training, because I think there's, there's a lot of room in the weight room where we can, you know, implement it more. And, you know, it's kind of crazy, too. You know, you look at these athletes and regarding a weight room setting. These kids rather be with a stick or ball in their hands rather than being in the weight room. So we've got to find a way to get them in and out as fast as we can in a safe manner. You know what I mean? But that energy needs that. That energy yeah. standpoint, we need to start developing from a, right when they come in, you know, to be able to hone it down and that breath and all that stuff when they leave. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those deals. That's what we got to realize too in that setting that these kids, like I said, they don't want to be necessarily in the weight room because a lot of kids don't want to lift weights, but they would rather have a ball or stick in their hands. It's our job to make it fun, you know, bring the energy and actually help them succeed in what they do in that short amount of time. Big time. Big time. Now, one more question here, a deep question. Um, when you reflect on your career, your whole career, so the last 15, 16 years you've been a strength coach, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? Uh, I think I've learned one major thing. There's, there's a thousand things I've learned doing this job, but I think the one major thing is patience. I think, you know, dealing with the amount of personalities we deal with from a, from a daily basis, from a student, from an athlete to a coach, depending, you know, you have so many different personalities and coaches coming in. You got to deal with, you know, we all have to report to different people. You know, we have different personalities we report to. Every de everybody demands something out of you at that moment in time that you're dealing with them. And it's, this may not be good intentions. It may not be, you know, bad intentions. But it's kind of one of those things. It's patience. Just, just take a step back, breathe, and you know, like things will be all right. It's just one of those things that you've got to learn that nothing happens in that one day. You just got to sit back and deal with it. But, you know, like I said, I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but for me, it's, it's patience. It's huge, man. I mean, it's, I know it's cliche, but you know, patience is a virtue, man. If, especially in your role, um, you're dealing with all different kinds of your landscape of what you have to deal with. The climate of it is it's all over the map with these kids and the coaches it's just, it's, it's kind of a tough place to be, but when you get into the rhythm and you can get into, and, you, and you're self-aware about, okay, I need to be super patient right now and, and not let this, whatever, this, this thing uh, overrule me or control me. It's, it's a huge skill, man. We take it for granted, but man, if we're patient, man, we're, we're actually in control and we're, we're, we got our emotions and thoughts pretty much dialed in. So that's super cool that, uh, that that's something that you've learned over the years. 
it's crazy because, you know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of coaches and players that are trying to break you down. You know, they, they, these kids are smart. Now these kids are so smart and they're setting things up for two weeks in advance. <laughs> it, it's, it's amazing. I mean, even, even coaches are right. But like I said, if, if you just learn to sit back and, you know, don't let things get to you, you know, in that one particular day. And again, everybody learns this over time with, with experience, but just deal with it. Be patient. Things will be all right. Big time. Big time. Now, I know you said earlier about social media and you're, you're working on it. Um, if anybody wants to follow you or connect with you on social media, how do they do that? Um, we have Instagram right now. We have Instagram, Midi Strength at Midi Strength. Um, you'll see that and you'll come on on. We've got about 30, maybe 30 postings of alumni stuff in the past 30 posts. Um, um, I also have a club team um, at Bay Area Wolves. Um, that's another one I just started off. Hopefully we get some kids rolling through that. But other than that, we have a Twitter. We have Twitter Bay Area Wolves. We have Midi Strength. And we're starting to get our, our Twitter and um, Facebook stuff up for Midi Strength as well. So if you get a chance, reach out, email me, text me, DM me, whatever you want. If you have any questions, I could, I could answer as best as I can. Awesome, man. Well, Brett, uh... As always, it's just awesome to connect with you and talk with you and, and having you on my show is an honor and, and sharing your mindset and your journey and your energy, man. It was really cool, man. I uh, really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. And hopefully um, we could do this again sometime. And like I said, if you ever need anything from me and I look forward to working with you a long time in the future. All right, brother. Appreciate it. <laughs>